Hi, and welcome back, or welcome to the Mindset and Performance Podcast. I'm Dries, a Mindset and Performance Coach. I help athletes and young professionals with their career development. We work on a wide range of areas, from training to nutrition, but focus essentially on the mindset, as it is the key to everything else. The whole idea behind this podcast is to deconstruct the habits that led people to their success, to learn from their experience and understand psychology behind their actions and behavior, and of course, to know what kind of mindsets they have. This week's podcast is with Shannon Quirk, also known as Shannon Reporting. She is a television host, announcer, journalist, director, producer, social media manager at the Initia, and tour coordinator at the WSL Big Wave event. Our conversation is about her passion for surfing and how she is doing all she can to empower driven women in the world of sports and business. She is a true inspiration. I'm sure a lot of you listeners will benefit from this conversation and learn about hard work, determination, Shannon's compassion, and how to dream big. Okay, well, thank you very much for making time for this. It was uh, unreal when you responded positive. I uh, have been following your work for a while and um, came across uh, some of your interviews and saw you on the screen, you know, all over the place on the internet and uh, outside of the internet. So it was uh, quite nice. Thank you for making time for this. Um, thank you. <laughs> I'm also a big fan of your work. It's been nice to read your articles and post them on the Nersha. Uh, I find them quite beneficial. And that's like one of the my favorite parts of, of the job is is reading the material that I think I, I also really benefit from um, in addition to our audience and then sharing it. So it, it, um, it kind of forces me into other realms of health that I wouldn't necessarily explore as well. Um, but I think we have a lot of alignments with, um, with headspace and meditation. And I think with, with my work, I'm, you know, I'm dealing with a lot of athletes that I, like could also work with you so i feel like this is a good relationship awesome that's great in like, case so I, I send anyone your way <laughs> <laughs> that'll be awesome yes how did you start like who were you when you were a kid when you were a child what was your uh, dreams and what did you want to do taking it way back all the way back um <laughs> well i grew up in san francisco um with a mother that was working at Stanford Hospital and a father who was in the tech industry. Um, I was given a lot of opportunity with with education. I, I felt like I wanted to go to school for journalism. It was a passion of mine. Uh, I loved photography. I always uh, was very active as a kid. I was playing soccer, uh, surfing, snowboarding. Uh, volleyball, like everything I could find. I, I felt like sports for me were the outlet where I would go for everything from like security to structure, um, finding mentors outside of my parents. And it was a really amazing place. I still great friends with a lot of the, the women I grew up playing sport with. And I find now in my circle of friends, that's, that's typically the strongest relationships. Um, and I used sports as an outlet when I, I uh, pursued the journalism degree. I went to UCLA and I've, I got an internship with Transworld, which was a, a surf and snowboard magazine and skate. And uh, I became their intern at first and then started traveling with them a bit to different snowboard contests. And I realized that you can take your passion and pursue it and 
and make a living out of it. Sometimes it's not easy, especially in journalism and, and writing and photography. I feel like a lot of people work for free in this industry. But I was really determined. And um, when I graduated, I booked a one-way ticket to South America and lived in Argentina working as a snowboard photographer and backcountry guide for three years. And I was also a competitive snowboarder. So this was my way to be in the industry and, and compete when I could and then still make money outside of... Uh, the contest if I you know didn't win a contest <laughs> and um, I loved it so much I found uh, I did get a bit of cabin fever in the snow and I was pursuing winter I basically had like maybe four or five winters in a row where I was traveling to California to train and going to Mammoth Mountain and then going back to uh, to South America and Patagonia and at one point I decided um, to go to, on a surf trip to Brazil, I fell in love with Brazil and moved there for the next three years as a, uh, working as a surf photographer. I started building websites and um, and trying to make surf videos. And um, a very interesting opportunity opened up to um, start the Surf Channel Television Network out of California, and that got me back to the U.S. and um, that's also where I met the Nersha and started producing content and reporting um, with with surfing as the the main focus. But I found actually a, a passion for helping the the underdogs in this sport. I felt like women were not portrayed how I wish I, I could have seen them growing up. Like I really wish I had a, a female mentor surfing when I was growing up, and I never had. It was just you know my dad and my brothers and all the boys and I was always in like a, a wetsuit that didn't fit me and kind of like a surfboard that was not my size or not the right size like it was just I didn't feel like women had enough um, ex exposure and also just the storytelling was a bit uh, biased maybe from a male always from a male side so I felt especially with magazines that it was important to start telling the story of, of female water women and uh, not just about how beautiful they are, but also like what they're achieving. So that that's been motivating me a lot. And now um, I'm currently the big wave tour coordinator and uh, event organizer. Um, I work with a big team of big wave enthusiasts that are excited. Also, like the adrenaline from coming all over the world to a big wave spot last minute. Uh, we just have three day notice, so it's oh yeah a yeah. bit hectic. <laughs> um. And that's definitely a, te a test for, uh, yeah, where my, my headspace is at and if I'm uh, up for the job. But I think uh, the adrenaline at that point really gets me flowing through everything. <laughs> okay, wow. I get a couple of questions. Why yes. surfing to start with? Why wasn't it something else? I mean, it can sound a little bit of cliche if you tell me, yeah, California, of course, it has to be surfing, but not necessarily, right? No, I, I grew up in San Francisco, and um, I mean, I spent a lot of time in Santa Cruz. I, I lived in the mountains in between the two, and I I actually thought surfing was really cold and miserable when I was growing up. I felt like I was always in pain, like it was just so cold. I probably didn't have the right wetsuit, and uh, I liked snowboarding more. I don't know why, but there was something... Um, I think it wasn't until I moved to Southern California that I, I really fell in more in love with surfing. It's much easier, you know, when you could not use a wetsuit or just less rubber. But uh, I find surfing to be um, 
have a longer lifespan. Like I feel like with snowboarding, I was um, I was getting really injured. I was at a competing in half pipe and border cross and um, giant slalom, and I you know I was going really fast on really icy conditions a lot of the times. And uh, competing pushes you to another level. I think I was. I was really headstrong. I wanted to be like an Olympic athlete and I was just so driven to learn new tricks. And at one point I was in the hospital so often, my mom was like, man, why are you doing this to yourself? Like broken, so many broken bones and, and, you know, knee surgeries and just, it got to a point where I felt like surfing. I still have that adrenaline. Um, I'm definitely an adrenaline junkie and I'm, I'm trying to find other ways to, to use that in a health, you know, healthy transformation. <laughs> That's not just putting my life at risk on, in a half pipe. But I, I also, I feel so much love for these sports that I don't think about the, the consequences as often as I maybe I should. Or over time, as I grow up, I, I kind of think about it more because I can feel my old injuries coming back. But um, surfing, I do feel like, um, is a good crossover from snowboarding and. And I love the the fact that you can find anything in surfing. You can go out for a chill day and just relax and be in a meditative state with the ocean. Or you can paddle out in Puerto Escondido when it's pumping and um, you you definitely feel alive. I mean, it's it can be any spectrum of um, like whatever you're looking for, really. And uh, I find that, you know, with the re- recent addition with the wave pool and all of these things that are happening in surfing, it's losing that aspect of it that I love so much. That's really just like being out in nature. Um, I find it very healthy. And, um, I also think it's very humbling. I think the bigger waves you surf, the more humbled you are by the ocean and the more you feel like a part of something much bigger. Oh yeah. Especially the big ones for sure. Did you look up to someone? Um, when was the first time you started? Like, was it with the parents or, or by yourself? You just took a board and went to the water Uh, my dad took me out. He, um, How he brought old were me, you? um, I was probably four or five when I first started, but, uh, I was, I started on a, a boogie board, actually a bodyboard, um, just when I was four or five. And then I, I think I started surfing like around that age as well. Um, first it, we took a lot of trips to Hawaii and then he moved to Kauai, my dad, um, and I w- you know, I was going to school in California, so I'd go out there as much as I could. And then it was just like, I was so hooked, you know, I just wanted to constantly be in Hawaiian islands and not only to see my father, but to be in the ocean there. And it's just so alive and the reef's amazing. And there's obviously, you know, a ton of sharks and, and yeah. other things that, and reef cuts, but, um, yeah, I love, I just loved it. And I think coming out of the water with, uh, you know, salty skin and hair and I, I just feel so much better than I, than I do walking in that I find it, you know, I, I surf as much as I can. I try mm. to go out every day, but, um, yeah, like you said, you know, the warm water definitely has, I think even more benefits. Um, and, and yeah. you mentioned, uh, looking up to parents like mentors. I think you used to, the, the word mentor was, uh, your father or mother or both of them, some sort of mentors for you, or did you look up to someone, uh, perhaps it was a woman, perhaps it was a man from the time you started. Definitely. My dad was a big influence on me. Um, he was, a a swimmer in college and a rugby player and very athletic, um, He got me swimming at a really early age. 
And I think that was, uh, that, that was a huge part of why I surf and why I was able to surf Ocean Beach at all as a kid because uh, it's a really strong current and you can get sucked out to sea. There's giant great white sharks. It's not a friendly place. Um, I didn't even find it fun, actually. I, like, kind of thought it was, like, my swimming classes where I was just, like, going. You just kind of swim towards the, the black line and, and hope that eventually get out to the lineup. But sometimes it doesn't work out, you know? So, <laughs> yeah, um, I made it all the way to the sand. I never put my feet in the water <laughs> when I was there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. It's not the friendliest place, um, but it, it builds really great athletes and, and great swimmers that are ready for, you know, beach break conditions. Um But other than my dad, I think all my coaches through sport um, were huge influence on me. You know, th those are the, and they were mostly women. Um, I also, I, I played soccer at UCLA and we had a, a Turkish coach, um, but they all just pushed me outside of, you know, outside of the classroom, which I felt like was really important. I was always able to get, um, whatever I was dealing with kind of off on the field or, or in the water, you know, like I was definitely using sport to, um, balance myself out. I had a, a pretty difficult time with, uh, my parents getting divorced when I was 12. And at that point I just became religiously going to soccer every day after school. Um, I would go snowboarding like three or four times a week up to Lake Tahoe. And, uh, and once I was in college, I, I, you know, I scheduled my classes around the, the storms. <laughs> so I would, <laughs> I would probably like have Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday class, like pack them full, full days of school and then, uh, go straight up to the mountains for the next four days. And, mm. um, it's definitely a huge, um, part of my life. I think the mentors and the coaching, were just pushing me harder and making me believe in myself. And they were giving a lot of, I had really great coaches that it was more positive reinforcement. You know, occasionally when we lost a game or something, it was really hard to, to see the face of my coach. because, you know, as long yeah. as they weren't taking it personally. <laughs> <laughs> Is there any um, words that you can remember that one of them or um, was saying to you that you can, you still use right now, um, um, in your career or in your daily, uh, on daily basis? Some mentra, for yeah, example. Think, um, oh, I think just working hard. Mm. Um, I realized that a lot of professional athletes are at the top of their game because they work so hard and mm. train so much in that particular field. It, it often finds, um, kind of comes around in, in another form of making parts of your life unbalanced. And I find that a lot now with chasing big swell. Um, I, I'll do anything for a big swell to the point where, um, I'm leaving loved ones behind or responsibilities or canceling on things last minute. It's mm. really frustrating. And I, uh, that's the heart. That's one of the hardest parts about, about chasing storms. But, um, if you work hard and, uh, practice, I think you can really just conquer anything in life or any, um, any obstacle or challenge, sometimes it's really frustrating, but, um, whatever you put your time into, you become better at. And I think that's the most important way to look at your day. When you start out, like, how are you going to spend your time? Like it's, I know a lot of people are focused around making money and, um, and getting good grades and all of that, but really, what are you going to, how are you going to spend that time? You're going to sit in front of your computer for eight hours. Like, is that healthy? 
you know, I think I, I think about that a lot now, um, what I'm doing with my time. I've had the opportunity to be an entrepreneur and not work in a nine to five. Um, even with inertia, I've been, you know, traveling quite a lot and it's not always easy, like the time zones. Um, but I, I do find it, it's necessary for me to be able to have some freedom to focus on myself and, and, and work on things that are important to me and not just, uh, the daily grind of plugging numbers or, or whatever it is that someone with a nine to five collar job would do. Um, I find it completely debilitating creativity or with my creativity. And that's like fundamental for me when in my headspace, uh, going into work or, or writing an article or, or reporting is I need to be clear headed and focused and, um, and motivated and creatively inspired. And you can still have that while sustaining uh, this kind of lifestyle where you, you're actually traveling a lot. How often do you travel uh, like per month or per year? Um, it's like kind of more of a question than how often do I not travel? <laughs> yeah. Um, I, yeah, we had for a while, we only had, uh, I guess it was two months off on the big wave tour. Um, but now we actually combined all of the events just for the, the Northern hemisphere winter which is unfortunate because we lost a lot of amazing spots like Punta de Lobos in Chile and um, Pico Alto mm. in Peru and dungeons in South Africa. But now this year is going to be the first time I, I'm focused more on the winter. And I um, yeah, I do work a lot of contests in Puerto. So I, I spend about four or five months in Mexico, which feels like a, a bit of stability for me when I'm in a place for a while and I can start to call it home even if I'm not a local, <laughs> you kind mm -hmm. of have to make yourself a home in these places. And with the bigger tour, since it's such few events, um, I've made sure to find myself, um, a community where I feel comfortable. And like, um, like here in Portugal, I, you know, I come to the same town and I'm, I'm living just South of Nazare for the last three years. I come here for, for about four months. Um, and then, I spend some other time in Hawaii and I call o Oahu uh, on the North shore has technically been my home for the last uh, five years, but I, mm. I spend only a couple months a year there. Um, so. Mm -hmm. And so what are the mental skills that you need that someone needs to, um, to sustain a lifestyle like the one you have? I mean, you mentioned like you need to be focused to be able to write and rest it and so on. But uh, could you list a couple of mental skills that you think you're good at? Good at having. Sure. Um, I think being independent is uh, the first and foremost. Like, in order to do any of this, you you have to be um, willing to accept change, which is not always easy. Um, I think mm -hmm. very um, in tune with the weather and, um, storm tracking is a huge part of it so that I can gauge a little bit what my day will be like. If I know like today I'm in Portugal and the winds are terrible, I know that I'll be able to edit today and get some writing done. And then tomorrow Nazare might be, um, 10 or 11 meters. So I'm probably going to have to balance out my work schedule. Um, and yeah, so being flexible. Flexible, flexible and adaptable. Sure. Mm. Which is not easy. And I think it, I, I struggle the most with, um, other people's responses to yeah. my, 
an accountability at times where I bail last minute or even a dentist appointment I bail on and then they're like, what happened? <laughs> it's just, <laughs> it's just the story of my life. And I, I think the, um, and how did you learn that? So was it, are uh, important, uh, yeah, sorry, go ahead first with commitments. Uh, yeah, no commitments. I mean, that's, pro that's my weak, my weakness, you know, is, um, I, I'm committed to the tour. I'm very committed to the sport. Um, and promoting surfing, women surfing, big wave surfing. Um, I do feel like commitments, like in relationships, um, are really, really hard. I the work-life balance is the hardest thing for me at this point. Um, with family, friends, loved ones, I I want my family to be the priority. But I do find at times that I have to bail for work, and I, I guess everyone struggles with this. I guess you sacrifice um, a lot for uh, what is uh, the prior priority right now for you. Correct, and yeah. I think my father instilled in me that um, that drive to have a career. Like he, I was lucky. I grew up in a very progressive home with parents that felt like I, you know, me and my brothers. Like that, I felt very, very equal to my brothers. I didn't feel like I was pushed more to do some girly things or put, you know, I was an athlete and they accepted that and they pushed me to do it. And, um, and we're accepting of my, my dreams. And I think I, I always wanted a career. Um, and I wasn't motivated to, to marry young or marry rich or any of these things that I think a lot of women get pretty lost in. Um, I wanted to have an independent life. And so that's been, I think, helping me in the stage. Um, but yeah, I think the the job does require a lot of uh, uh, time to think. Like you, you definitely need to realize that you're in this for a bigger cause. And at times it can be so frustrating. Like if you drive all the way to a swell or, or fly across the world and um, mm. you know drop and bail on all your your previous commitments and then you get there and the swell's terrible and the conditions are wrong. And you're, you know, I've, I've been in a, only a few situations like that, luckily, but it's, it's very confusing at that point. Like, why am I here? What am I doing? I just, we just spent all this money to come out here and it's, um, it's a big loss and frustrating. And, and then there's the other times where, you know, like the women paddle out at jaws for the first time. And I felt like my entire career was coming to a, ahead at that point where I felt like finally I could feel the, the fruits of my labor, which is, it, it was meaningful. And I think in, in Puerto Escondido, um, I had a, a pivotal moment this season where I saw little girls on the beach, like cheering up this Mexican woman who had gotten the best way of the whole contest, like men or men or women. She scored like a 9.5 on a, a huge, huge barrel. And it was, she got spit out and the whole crowd went wild. And I was like watching as the, for the first time in Latin America, a woman had been crowned a champion in a, a big wave contest. It was, it was a dream come true for me. And I think, um, there's moments like that where I realize like all the sacrifice I'm making is there is a reason. And I, I really want to set a path and, a, um, open up doors for, for big wave surfers, but also just for women that are, challenged by something and they want to be inspired and realize that they too can like pursue uh, their dream. And even if they're like their odds are totally 
terrible and they're outnumbered and like in many sports where women are um there aren't more women on the field it's mm. it's hard to hear no a lot of times and it's hard to tell hear tell or people tell you you can't do something it's frustrating but it almost pushes you more to prove them wrong um yeah, or just see, to prove it to yourself i see a lot of parallels with uh what you do as a reporter and uh, the life on, of an athlete when it comes to dealing with frustrations and staying focused and um uh, prioritizing some things instead of other things and having that work-life balance. Did you learn that from your uh, uh, athletic career? Um, I think probably UCLA was a, a good place for me to be to understand how to multitask to the best of my ability. Um, mm -hmm. I had, and yeah, we, I went to a really great school, a great high school um, in Palo Alto that I had so many classes. I had so many extracurricular activities and things to do after school. And just, it was con like, a, I look back now and I feel like, wow, I have so much free time now compared to what I did as a child. Uh, so how do you um, manage your time uh, usually? Like, what is it? Uh, how do you start your day and how do you end it? Um, well, you know, thanks to doing a bit more research on health, I've, I've changed a lot of my practices. Um, in the daily routine. I think when I first started working at the surf channel, I was so obsessed with making the channel success. I was, I would wake up to, to sending emails. Um, and I don't do that anymore. I'm thankfully, um, I found like meditation and breathing exercises to be really vital for me. Um, and yoga as a cross training, but also more for my mental stability just to be in the right headspace and be as positive as I can. So I usually will combine like a surf check with a yoga practice um, where I walk out to the beach, check the waves, do some breathing and yoga. Um, if the waves are really good, I usually cut it pretty short and head back to get my board. But um, I try to be active in the morning before I start thinking about work. Um, and I'm in an industry, especially with social media, that does not sleep. Like I, for years, worked with inertia without taking a day off, not necessarily because, like I could have asked for a day off, but I think I put a lot of pressure on myself to do a good job and, um, and hustle and I'm Deliver. not sure. <laughs> yeah, totally. And so with social media, it's constant, I'm constantly getting blown up on direct messages with people that are like excited about sharing their trailer or their, their film project. and, and this clip and so I um now I'm using the time a bit wiser to say okay there's only so many hours a day like how am I going to use this to the best of my ability to be effective and also like good to myself um and not just trying to help others all the, like I I really find a lot of pleasure and and helping and serving other people and I was just going to ask you time, what drives you, you know. actually, I was just going to ask you what drives you specifically and uh, the, the type of job that you're doing, why are you doing it? What are you after? Um, I know that's, that's the deep question. Yeah, right. Like you, you mentioned a couple of things, <laughs> like it brings you some sort of freedom, flexibility, creativity, because you, every time is uh, things are different and you should have to come, come up with new ways or uh, being creative about how, how you report and how you write. But if you want to look a little bit deeper, even like what, what is it that you're after when you from this whole lifestyle? 
I think uh, one word would probably be empowerment. Empowerment. I find it, I find it yeah. uh, very inspiring to watch other women that that I know personally and also know as like human beings. Like some of them do seem like superhuman when you're coming down a forty foot wave at Jaws. You know, I I find like Paige Alms to be completely um, in her her own field when it comes to women surfing she is like uh on another playing field completely and um when i get to know these athletes you realize like they're also human they also make mistakes um you know maybe Paige doesn't make that many mistakes <laughs> but she definitely is um she works hard she works so hard and that's that's someone i could say is a reliable good friend who even though she's like you know storm chasing and and hyper focused in her field um she still has like many different talents many different interests she's um i like to when i'm doing a report or like a feature on an athlete i like to humanize them to be that girl next door that you can relate to in some way like whether it's because they they also like gardening or you know she here's her training at the gym or whatever it is that makes her feel a little bit more on the ground versus that athlete. That's like dominating the big wave tour. Um, it's, it makes you feel inspired. Like, Oh wow. If I train Absolutely. and go to the gym, I can actually do this myself. And, and if I am focused and, and passionate like she is, then, uh, yeah. So I find, I put that kind of love and passion into the journalism probably because I want to, help these athletes reach their top potential. I want to open doors. I want them to have sponsorship if that's what they're after. If they, um, they have such inspiring stories. Uh, I think there's a lot of different stories that haven't been told in the surf space. Um, mostly because it's been male dominated and the idea of bringing a female protagonist into a, a feature surf film is a new concept. You know, there's been now, I think more than ever, a lot more, people behind the scenes that are women trying to get, um, you know, whether it's writing or, or directing just in Hollywood in general, it's been such a few amount of women that take those roles. And I think now as so many doors are opening and now we have equal prize money that, that is completely like a zero to a hundred that we've had in the last few years where we went from no, no big wave events for women to one event in Oregon. And then now we have, um, Jaws, Mavericks, Todos Santos, Puerto Escondido, and uh, I'm pushing for Nazare for the women as well, which is a big part of why I'm here. I'm sure they are inspiring you as well to keep on doing what you do and keep on following, working hard. I think <laughs> you're you. a hard worker as well, right? Like in by in by that also you become the inspiration yourself to uh, your own audience for what you do, defending, empowering women, being empowered yourself. Correct. Mm. Yeah. Thank so, you. Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> so, how satisfied are you from uh, how satisfied are you from your um, uh, career uh, today um, as a reporter and uh, to where you reach? Like, if you're gonna put a number on it, uh, from one to ten, ten being super satisfied, where would you stand on that scale? Hmm. I think, that, man, there's always stuff I want to still accomplish, but. Um, would that I be a seven? Eight? <laughs> uh, you know, but at the same time, I really have um, this, the, 
dream, like I need to dream bigger at this point because what I was dreaming of having women with equal prize money, I didn't think I would see in my career and, uh, it just happened. And so now I'm like, okay, well, <laughs> and the women are out now on the tour. At one point I was thinking of creating a women's big wave tour because it was so hard to get the men to understand that like we were ready for this. And even though it's dangerous, like we're ready and there are women that want to do it. And now um, that they're accepted and, and included, it's um, it's very interesting. I feel like I need to almost like uh, go after other sports like skateboarding or, or open the doors to other other avenues of mm. the work where I could do this in a What would you call that chapter? Way. The next chapter. <laughs> What would you name it? Mm. Can you formulate your, uh, your, your, your dream? Oh. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I need to, I think, take a pen to paper and, yeah. and dive into some other goals. I, I do yeah. this often, like, or, you know, around New Year's, I think a yeah. lot of people do their re resolutions. And I, oh. I think about uh, where I want to be or what I want to do. Um, one way, one way that I, I use usually with my clients to help them um, just have a little more clarity around that. Like, so I start asking them the question, like, so where are they in that number, that, that scale from one to 10 level of satisfaction? They would say, for example, let's say, I don't know, I'm a seven or an eight. Then I will ask them, how would a nine look like? So uh, just look like, you know, so not thinking totally. about or, or articulating, just pure daydreaming. Where would I be? Who I would be seeing? Uh, what I would be looking at? Who with whom I would be talking? Build that image from there, and then the next question would be: uh, So, what stops you from getting there? And then okay. you'll be looking. At, then you will be identifying the things that you need to start doing in order for you to get to that nine and be even more satisfied, or just jump to the next chapter. Yeah, I I feel actually quite satisfied with work. I think the the amount of energy I put into work, um, definitely exceeds the amount I'm putting into, you know, day-to-day -day family life and, and hanging with friends. I think I, I more want to like balance the scales and maybe take a step, step back sometimes from the career, if anything, not that I want to retire now I'm 30, but I'm like, <laughs> I would love to, I would love to balance it more. I think the, I've spent so much time chasing the, the career path and these goals of, of, you know, empowering women surfing and progressing the sport that I now feel like I, I also need to take a step back and think like I've, and Nazare, I'm, I'm challenging myself to also surf the wave and toe surf the wave. And so I do my own, my own training where I'm thinking as, you know, as an athlete would of what, what I'm eating, what I'm doing day to day. If I went for a run today, like thinking a lot about my own surfing versus just storytelling about other people's paths. Um, and that, that brings me back to the inspiration and like, um, it makes me realize like why I'm doing what I'm doing because it is so challenging. And I think I have even more respect for all the athletes out there. Um, when I'm working with the jet ski drivers and I'm working to, you know, train on a jet ski and I understand how hard it is and especially like a place like Nazare that pushes you to a whole other level of difficulty and challenge and any other experience going into Nazare is kind of like it all leads up I feel like Nazare is really a pivotal spot where it will get the biggest and most challenging it can ever get in surfing or one of the the hardest spots and so everything around it 
from the jet ski driving to the rescues to um, just filming with like all the water that it, it brings up on your lens and your camera. I mean, there's so many challenges that it makes me feel incredibly empowered. When I leave Nazareth, I feel like I could surf anywhere and like conquer the world. And <laughs> like, it like gives definitely me a driven other... by challenge for sure. Yeah, definitely. Oh. That's for sure. I'm like, I get really bored when I um, am in a place that's too comforting, like too familiar. Every time I go back to California now, I get like itchy and start to be like, okay, well, where's the next trip? Because I speak the language here and I already know the beaches and I kind of like, it's, it's a trap. It's a mental trap. I know there's a ton, it's a huge state. I could easily like travel to do um, Yellowstone or places I've never been to in the US, but I feel like when I'm abroad and in, you know, working with a, another language, I definitely have like another part of my brain fired up and, and things are so different. And there's every day I'm like constantly challenged and, um, and in uncomfortable situations. And for some reason, stepping outside my comfort zone is like uh, where I always want to be. <laughs> <laughs> so, and so, then I go home to mom every once in a while. So, <laughs> <laughs> so what, do you, what do you do when you are not traveling around? When you, you don't have, does it ha even happen like to don't have anything uh, to do? Like, um, let's say not traveling, like home, California, uh, or, or uh, somewhere off season somewhere, or um, uh, waiting period. What do you like doing? Yeah, sure. Like, so once... Um, April, once March comes around, March 31st, I have a one, one month off, <laughs> which is, um, from, yeah. So the month of April last year, I went to Uruguay. I wanted to just go to a new country that had nothing to do with big wave surfing and kind of like a place I wouldn't normally get a job in, you know, or get flown to for work. Um, and that was, a an amazing experience, but I, um, there are times when I will step away from surfing so that I can really appreciate it. I'm very, very spoiled by good waves at this point. Like I've, if, uh, yeah, like here in Portugal, especially when the water's cold, I, um, I get pretty spoiled and won't go out unless it's like firing and like sunny and just good. <laughs> I, um, so sometimes I try to pursue other things. Like right now I'm actually thinking of, um, doing yoga teacher training just to get, much, um, better at my, my own yoga practice. And also I, I've been teaching like yoga for surfers in Nazare and also in Mexico. And I want to just be better, um, at, um, yeah, all the poses and, and make sure, making sure I'm not, um, causing any injuries obviously. And, um, uh, I think that's probably the next time I get a month off, that's probably what I'll be doing. Um, whether it's, in 30 India days. Thailand it's actually 30. Something. It's exactly specifically 30 days of training, I think, at least, <laughs> right? Yeah, like 200 <laughs> hours. Yeah. And uh, I find it really, really beneficial, especially as a cross training. I think your um, your breath and your lung capacity, and but also just the ability to stay calm in really uncomfortable situations is uh, life or death in big wave surfing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not at the point where I'm, you know, I'm not paddling up to Mavericks. I'm not, not surfing jaws. I, I think it's a, a goal of mine eventually, but, um, it's definitely, I take baby steps with surfing. I want to, um, be ready and in the right mental space as much as I like to be out of my comfort zone. I, you know, I wouldn't paddle out if I f didn't feel right about it. 
um, I'm very, I like to trust my instincts and I, um, I'd be curious to know how do you train for Nazare? What do you do? Like how much time you dedicate for that? Um, last season I was really, really dedicated because, uh, at that point I was waiting maybe three months for the contest and we had like almost the entire season had gone by and we hadn't run it yet. So I, I got a lot more time in Nazare than ever before. And I was, um, training with the, uh, the world champion bodyboarder there, um, on Antonio Cardoso, who we, we switched up a lot. So one day, say we're going, we would, uh, run through the dunes, the sand dunes. Um, then maybe a few hours in the gym. Um, I started w light weightlifting, which I'd never done before because I felt like as a woman surfer, you already have like big muscles on your arms. Like I didn't want to necessarily build muscle for aesthetic appeal. It was just, I realized that there was so many, there were so many muscles in my back that I hadn't been using in surfing that you do use with toe surfing. Um, when you're holding the rope and you need to keep your elbows locked in to your hips to not throw your elbow or your, throw your shoulders out, uh, or get lashed around. Um, the jet ski is like moving pretty fast. So you need to really be on point. And also there's so much adrenaline that uh, you almost don't feel injuries. Like you, you might not feel something that's injured during a, a, a session there because you're, it's so overwhelming sometimes that, um, yeah, I, I spent a lot more time in the gym. I was actually living in the training facility for, for a month. Um, <laughs> and that was like a very, very serious, like wake up, um, run down to the check the waves, come back, go to the gym. Um, if, it, if the waves weren't that great, and then we would go to the Olympic pool, do apnea training. Um, I love apnea training. I find it comp like it's amazing. I think free diving as well for me are just a few other places where if surfing wasn't in my life, like I would focus more time in. Um, I think they're especially on the North Shore. Like when during the summer, you basically. Free diving is the best option, I think. Well, <laughs> you're going for the whole thing, actually, training all aspects, fitness, surf itself, on, in, uh, on land training, land-based, all of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm. and a lot of balance training. I find, like, even with yoga, like, one leg standing um, mm. poses will be super fundamental for my knees, which is usually the most common injury for women. Um, it, for a serious injury in sport mm. is the neat, you know, MCL or ACL, which I've already had surgery on and learned mm. the hard way. Um, and then you, where you are mentally, which is why I think it's important for me to surround myself with positivity and like people that are also inspiring me or keeping me, af keeping me up. Like, um, in Nazare, I was talking to Andrew Cotton who had a very serious injury and probably the worst wipe out of the year last year and broke his back. Um, he was in an interesting headspace going, you know, through the season where he was in Nazare, still watching the swell, couldn't surf. Um, but he was telling me that it was important for him to be around people that were filling his bucket and not dipping from the bucket. So maybe, uh, someone that was kind of telling you, no, you can't do this or, or, ah, like negativity on like, ah, why are you doing this? Why are you living your life this way? Instead of someone that's 
giving, lifting you up and, and saying, ah, but you can do that if you, if you work hard or you, you know, you're a great person or you're, you're totally like so close, like just, you know, let's go train again tomorrow. You know, things that are people that really um, lift you up. It's important to notice when someone's sure. not doing that, I yeah. think, and to just like to detach yourself and not necessarily cut them out of your life, but just recognizing it. Um, and yeah. I want to be that person for others as well. Like I want to tell people that they, they can do what they dream and, and open those doors instead of shutting them and being like, Oh no, like you, you're a girl. Like, you shouldn't, <laughs> you can't surf like those guys, you know, you shouldn't paddle out. Like I, I'm always trying to push the women and, and did the men hear, too. Did like, you hear that to, a lot when you were, uh, when you were younger for yourself? Um, yeah, my, my parents told me I could, do anything I dreamed. And I think they were, when I told them I wanted to be a, you know, a photojournalist or a journalist, I think they were excited because they knew I was, uh, I was writing a lot. I was like writing poetry. I was writing. I loved writing, um, and reading. And I think they, they saw the, that lining up for me, but they also knew it might not be the most well-paying job. Um, and, I never really considered that I was never driven by, by money. I was more, I guess those big picture goals were more important. Um, and that I was doing work that was meaningful, mm-hmm. you know, especially at the inertia, when you see like how much published work there is every day, I huge, I'm it's, it's, there's so much content, but there are specific articles that I feel like make a huge impact, especially, um, when it comes to health, or environmental causes or philanthropy or something that the, the point is not just uh, e- ego driven. Here's a video of me getting barreled and I want everyone to see it so that I can get ha- make my sponsors happy. Like that is the, the last thing I want to do anymore. Like I, I know that that's mostly what surfing is, is uh, selfies getting barreled or, or, you know, here's me getting another wave. And I just am not inspired by that. Like I feel the that ego is it is a really big part of sport. Um, at some point, I think there's a you have to distinguish confidence v- via ego. Why you're doing something, uh, especially when it's life, you know, you're you're risking your life to do it, like a big wave. Where if you just paddle out because you want to get a clip, you might get absolutely destroyed and i think it's all about headspace and like good intention and mm. and and uh yeah i see so yeah. th- that's why we it's important to know the why right like why doing what do you do why are you after what are you after right i wanted to mm-hmm. go back to um uh, being positive and the advice of uh, of uh, that surfer i, I can't re- quote you exactly how, how you said it or how he said it but are you an optimist Would you consider yourself an optimist? I believe I'm an optimist at the same time, especially playing Big Wood Tour, I always factor in the worst case scenario. <laughs> like I, <laughs> I don't necessarily like that I do that because it's stressful um, and I don't want to worry. I, I'm aware that worrying, it does not help anything. But at the same time, I'm also, So thinking of the safety of these athletes, like we, yeah. I'm usually taking, take either taking them to the hospital if something happens or with their families, bringing them to the hospital or just like dealing with the, you know, getting everyone home safe after the contest. And that part 
is very personal to me where I want everyone to go home safe or at least like, um, there, yeah, I, I just find it to be, um, so, so how, what do you do when you, when you do have this, um, this, uh, worries, this concerns, it's, it's, it's obviously like, uh, some sort of negative self-talk. What, what if this happened, you know? So how do you counter mm -hmm. it? What do you do about it? Well, I think, um, with the tour specifically, like we just plan, we plan for the worst and set everything in, in motion so that the top medical directors are there. The uh, helicopter is on call an ambulance is waiting. Everything is in, in place for the worst case scenario. Um, we train to rescue people that are unconscious. Like I, I feel like everyone that surfs, including uh, the beginner uh, who's just going out for the first time, if you're in the ocean, you should know CPR. You should know how to save someone, a stranger who you might walk up onto the beach and someone is with their head down facing the water. Um, that is, I think, the, most, the best way for me to know that everything is going to be okay is when I'm with people that are trained um, – in life-saving skills, you know, and I think CPR is like the one that's super basic that um, everyone needs to know. I mean, not just surfers, everyone does. And no, so sure. that that helps me um, when I when I see one of the big way tour athletes in the water, like say on a free surf day, I already know everything's gonna be fine. Like I feel very um, optimistic, I guess, about about the session and just that everything's gonna go as well as possible. If there's for some reason, and then you know that the negative part comes in and you're like, okay, well, if something terrible happens, like at least we have the best trained people for this job and, uh, to save the life. Um, yeah. and then, um, I'm, I'm noticing more now, I think with meditation, especially, um, and even your dreams, like my, my dreams, when I wake up in the morning, it kind of, tells me where my headspace is at almost like last night I had this dream about uh I was in an avocado field like an avocado farm and it's my favorite food is avocados <laughs> <laughs> Love of I woke up, <laughs> yeah I woke up and I was just like wow this is a really good dream I felt really great and I was like okay awesome <laughs> but if I'm if I'm the night before a swell I don't sleep much before a big contest um or if I do, it's a, it is the worries set in. I start worrying. I start thinking, ah, but the alternate, uh, if they don't show up or this person's on this flight, but they might miss the connection. If they miss the connection, I need to plan. I forgot to go down the list of things I had to do. And the, the responsibilities before the tour runs an event are, the list is so long that, um, my head is, my headspace is like all over the board. And, uh, and at one point, and the, the veterans on tour, like Gary Linden, who started the tour, he is really good at settling me down and, and just being like, Shannon, you did everything you could do. It's 11 o'clock at night. We have to be up at five in the morning. We're going to go to sleep. And, uh, and he's like the one that's reminding me to like drink water and eat lunch. And there's just, I get so motivated during those points that I'll forget the little things that are taking, that really are going to take care of myself in order to get through the job. Um, and so, yeah, just kind of finding 
like finding my breath and um, being grateful for the moment, finding like getting back into the present and not just planning for tomorrow's event is, uh, is really important. I think right after the event is where I'm able to like finally celebrate and actually celebrating the contest once it's run is a huge part of me getting back to the, the uh, excited and elated Shannon is like, we just finished the event, no matter what happened, no matter all the, the road bumps and things that we have to learn from for the next one to be better. I also always try to detach myself from the work and not take anything personally and just be like, so grateful the fact that it even run and it's a miracle when these big wave contests happen like so many things have to align that you really do need to like at one point either pat yourself on the back or go go for a surf yourself and just celebrate and uh and yeah i try to take a few days off each each event afterwards just to realize like what we're doing is is impactful and it's um it's really difficult work and so just celebrating like yeah either having a beer with your coworkers or, or going down to the point breaks. And, and actually I usually turn my phone off for, for two or three days if I can. Well, um, I get my hair standing for, from hearing you describing the whole environment and the big waves and uh, the energy over there. I've never been to one of these big events. I've been watching big waves here in uh, Bali, Indonesia, and uh, particularly the 25th of July, last last July 25th, there was a big, big, huge swell that hit the shore. I think one of the biggest in the last I think, 10, 15 years. Oh, and yeah. you feel the energy. I can just imagine what you will be feeling and uh, seeing all these sceneries and all these surfers and being in that energy uh, on this tour. But what made you choose yeah, the big wave surf tour instead of uh, regular surf tours? Uh, I've worked a lot of the CT contests and I still work the QS contests um, when, you know, when I can. Um, but, but during the big wave season, I find it um, like you always want to surround yourself with people that are better at something than you. You know, I find it when I'm around the big wave athletes, I learned so much from them. I'm like constantly taking notes on their equipment and what, what they're doing to train and how long they can hold their breath and all this, all this stuff that really motivates me to be a better surfer and like just focus more on my athleticism and, and my health. And so the big waves are, man, I think growing up in Northern California, you just, it's all about Mavericks. It's all about who's surfing Mavericks, what it's like out there. It's a, it feels like a phenomenon. It doesn't break that often. So when it does, it's like now it gets really crowded, but it's, I've always held it at the pinnacle of surfing. Like I find that the best and most professional athletes are, are at that level where they're surfing Mavericks or surfing Jaws. They're they're going off, you know, they're the Greg Long of which there's only one Greg Long, but that for me is like, um, it's where every big wave surfer wants to be like in, um, with the knowledge he has to so like, he has such patience for these waves. He has so many, um, there's so many things going on in his life outside of surfing that you can see when he's in the water, like the way he, he waits for the biggest wave. <clears throat> In order to have that kind of patience, like you need to be really headstrong. You learn uh, a lot from them. You learn a lot during that tour. Yeah. 
Yeah. Totally. Mm. Totally. And and I think the the WSL as well um, coming on to to support the Big Wave Tour has been uh, a great um, a great change as well because they're so professional with the broadcast. You know, it's a half a million dollar broadcast. There's people from the NFL and UFC and and all of these huge mainstream sports who have tons of experience behind the camera and with the direction and production that that pushes me. I want to be surrounded with people that are at the top of the field and um, constantly learning and getting better at what I'm doing. And so that that's really inspiring. And uh, I think the the big wave factor keeps it incredibly um, exciting, like that you never know what's going to happen. Yeah. The there's also the huge benefit of being at those spots after the contest when you know there's still going to be swell, so you can go surfing <laughs> and um, that's not something you always get at the QS events. A lot of them are run in like really small waves and they have set dates. Whereas the big wave tour, we have you know the entire winter to just run one day when it's potentially the best day, and you you know, I always gather tons of free surf footage before and after, and then I'm in the water. So it, it's feels really rewarding. And, uh, and it's a small community. I think it, you know, within surfing, surfing's already a small community, but when you niche it down to big wave surfing, I'm pretty much with these athletes traveling around the world, like as a family and with, you know, their, their kids or wives or, or, you know, when it comes to the girls, like those, the women that are invited to the big wave tour events are like some of my best friends that I, and so, um, you know, we do so much traveling that you have to make your friends, your family at some point, you know? So yeah. we spend Christmas together sometimes. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. Which is another reason why it's like, I also have to draw that line where I'm working at the contest and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not the mom either, even though sometimes I feel like I'm the surf mom who has to make sure everyone gets home safe and has like a ride to the athlete event and knows how to what time the meetings are at and all that stuff. I also have to detach and know that I'm not responsible for what happens. I'm not responsible for who wins or if someone gets hurt, I'm at this point, you know, hosting them and making sure that it goes as, as smooth as possible, that they feel comfortable, that we're all in this together. And, uh, and also I think I'm, you know, not a psychologist at all, but I find that I'm in the position where a lot of athletes if they do have a head injury or something serious, like we want to make sure that they have good medical care. And, um, I find myself in the position where sometimes they're, they're just like happy to see a familiar face, you know, and, uh, Being especially like support. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I'm not a mom, but I think I put a lot of, um, of time and energy into just taking care of the people that, we're working with and, and the athletes that come out for the contest. And, um, I do find like, I'm, I'm loving these people, you know, as, as a mom might her kids or something. I, I feel like, uh, a, a level of responsibility at times, um, that everything goes well, but again, like just detaching myself from that is important and, and recognizing that, um, yeah. Even though, even though I'm friends with an athlete, um, and I, this has happened a few times where a good friend is uh, put in the hospital and I get emotional and it becomes uh, very personal or like one of my roommates, um, 
was injured in Puerto and put in a, an ambulance on a stretcher and they thought she had broken her femur and I was just like felt completely responsible for helping organize the event and maybe putting my friend through the most pain she'd ever been in and then turns out she was fine it was a sprained ankle everything was fine but I was like an emotional wreck you know so, yeah yeah so and I was I was live on television so it's like things like that I have to there's so much happening in a short amount of time that uh I need to walk into it as stable as possible. Like I think I also finding a way to sleep well before an event would be amazing. It's not something that I can do very well, but, uh, I was just going to ask just, you, how do you recharge, you know, you're going through a lot being there, present focused, talking to people, also dealing with emotional stuff with what are the big waves or, or the people that you care for. Yeah. Afterwards, uh, I, try to turn my phone off and just completely leave the the bubble mm. of uh, wherever we are. So yeah. like in Puerto, I went down to the point breaks. You have no service. You're in a completely different environment. It's not life-threatening. It's like a nice little point break. And uh, that's, that's really good. I think also like I recognize now how much time I'm on my phone with social media. And when I don't have the phone or I don't have service, I, I start to panic and I realize that it's because I'm completely dependent on my phone in order to work. And, mm. and that part of life, which is, you know, not something I was dealing with my whole life. Like I, luckily I had a, a childhood without a cell phone, but, um, <laughs> I, <laughs> I, which won't be the case soon for most kids, but oh, for sure, there's just a movie, a new movie about that. Actually I can't remember the yeah. title. <laughs> Yeah, and I, I definitely noticed um, the strain on my eyes and um, the pressure I put on myself versus just being able to go with the flow when I, my phone's off. And so I, I try to do that. Um, like after Mavericks, I'll like go up to my grandma's house and Big Sur and just hang out with her and like either turn my phone off or just focus on on family or something something else that's you know also important to me and. Um, but yeah, the night, like the night after the contest or the night of the contest, um, when it's wrapped up is like a, just a, a big party celebration. I feel like that's, I don't go out too much nowadays. Um, but after the contest is like when I give myself that, that okay to celebrate. Like I remember even Kai Lenny, who's, you know, the yeah. top of his, his game, um, when he went Puerto, he he's such a focused athlete. The kid has, uh, you know, he doesn't drink, he doesn't smoke. He's like very, very focused and dedicated to training. And I remember him. He he was ha obviously happy. He was like elated that he won the contest. But you could tell like he was getting ready to go to bed early so he could start training the next day for the next contest. And I I just at one point pulled him aside and I was like, "You're gonna have a margarita right now, and we're gonna celebrate." He's like, "I never had never had a margarita." And I kind of was like, you know, I was trying to force feed him the, the drink, but I just wanted him to realize that it's okay to celebrate the win. And Very important even, message here. Yeah. Even if tomorrow um, you sleep in, like he puts a lot of pressure on himself as well to be the best. Um, he wants the world title. And when you're that close, like he, he was at Nazaria, he got, he got second. He was that close to a world title. Um, Mm. He he adds up all of those, you know, sleeping in in the morning is not something that Kyleni will do. So I I just felt like from one workaholic to another, I was trying to explain to him like it's okay, like we all are going to 
just hang out by the pool and do nothing tomorrow. So that's, <laughs> <laughs> I, but yeah, he's, he, but that's what I'm, what I'm saying about these athletes. Like they're at the top of the game because of that, because of that dedication. They're most of them, not all of them, but most of them are training at a whole other level um, with such different, different things and cross training and apnea and, um, yeah. and biking and whatever else that taking a day off sounds like, uh, doesn't even sound fun, you know? Okay. A couple more questions. Do you read? I do read. Um, I've been getting back into book mode because, um, I find I read so many articles on the inertia and half, you know, sometimes I'm posting 10 times a day, uh, different articles. And that's the majority of my reading now is online. Um, but then what do you specifically read? I mix it in between, like obviously the surf media and what's going on in the surf world. Um, that's, but I don't find it as compelling, um, as the imagery. Like I definitely find imagery to be more impactful, especially social media. So for, so when it is reading, um, it's usually health related. Um, I read books from like different yogis and, and people that, um, yeah, I think like self-help category, really, when it comes, I want to be effective and, and how I spend my time. And so I think like we were talking about negative self-talk, that's a big, that's been a big part of, uh, something I wanted to change this year was if I fail at something, not telling myself that I suck at, at this thing and not, not beating myself up about it. I'm very critical of myself already. So when I hear critic, like other criticism, it, I kind of spin out a bit. Um, so taking the, taking that in transforming it into something, um, that I can use a little bit better is really important. I think the, there's big spikes of, um, of dopamine with, uh, with these big wave events where you're, you get a green light. Like if you get a green light and I know I have three days to get to the contest and like be working. Um, I have so much adrenaline that coming down from that afterwards is, uh, like a lot of athletes, I think will call it depression. Um, at least with, I'm at, I'm in a bit of a different scenario because, uh, I'm like, I go to the event and I am working whether whatever happens, like I'm still working and leaving. I'm not depending on winning the contest. So I think it, there's a little difference there. Like every time we get at an event, I feel like I'm winning. Um, but the, yeah, working on my, um, on positivity, I think is like, I find a lot of, a lot of different reads for that. And, uh, even it could even be poetry or, um, I find, I read a lot in Spanish and, and Portuguese, um, which is really important for me too. Like say I'm in Mexico, I try to always read Portuguese books so that I'm using the language because when I jump back to Portugal, um, you know, now I'm reading books in Spanish here because I want to make sure I don't lose the language. And, um, you know, I have friends from all over the place and even within the big wave surfing, we have, uh, a lot of different, you know, international athletes. So I'm pretty much using, these languages constantly, but, uh, just being note mindful of that is important to me. Um, I also write poetry. I love, I love expressing myself through written word. And there's tons of, there's tons of things that I write for myself and will never publish that I find it 
therapeutic. Um, I think it's really important to express myself and my thoughts in, with my actually a pen and paper. I, I don't even write on the computer much if it's not for a published work. It's usually pen to paper and, uh, I'll use like gratitude lists as well. Almost every day is like a, a mindful practice to realize like no matter, instead of just focusing on something that's not working and getting tripped up on it, um, I recognize the thought and then I'll move on to being like, okay, well, what is going on really well? What am I grateful for? Everything from, you know, my health to family to, to the career and whatever else is in between and like getting back to the details and, um, just being like grateful for, for waking up to like the sun, like things that like just getting really back into, um, the present moment. I, I use literature for that. Like I haven't been escaping much with fictional stories, but I think that would probably be good for me, especially before bed. Yeah. I'm pretty hard on the, the, like, um, I feel like when I'm awake, I want to be like effect, like, uh, I don't know, I guess it's it, productive. Exactly. It's a definitely an American thing. Like the productivity being like hard on myself to constantly hustle is like a very, very American thing, <laughs> characteristic I do have, which is like definitely instilled by my father. And I, you know, bless his heart. Like, I think it's great. I also see, like I was saying, I would love to take a step back and not actually work so much at some point. Um, I don't know if I mentioned the other day, but one of my clients really look up to you and she would like to know what does it take to do what you do? How can you answer this question by being very specific and um, as concise as possible? Use your voice. I think using your your platform and your voice, expressing yourself is really important. I think the there's a lot of people that will listen. Um, and I think being being authentic to your ideals and your beliefs is really important. If I if I was frustrated every time I heard someone say the girls can't surf here, I, I really wouldn't be in this work anymore. I would have quit so long ago. I've had so many moments where I think that if I was just thinking with my brain, I probably would have quit because the odds are so bad. Um, like that was where I was with, with Puerto Escondido. Every time I asked for a women's contest, it was like, you're joking. The girls don't even surf Zicatella. Like local girls won't even surf here. And I was just like, always hearing no even the even the women sometimes would say no it's too big for us and I'm just like oh no no the competitors I don't even have competitors anymore so I think um sticking true to what you believe in is really important um you ignored your self-talk your mm. whatever limiting beliefs were there trying to be put in you from other people mm -hmm. And you just followed your heart and switched that belief to it is possible. It's not impossible, totally. it is possible. I just have to stay committed, focused, and uh, and deal with it, right? Totally. I think at this point I am completely um, believe that anything is possible. As cliche as it sounds, I've seen it in the works. And uh, like I was saying, I need to dream bigger because... I'm so blessed to say that I've accomplished what I was dreaming of when I was a child. And 
at this point, um, I need to set the scale higher. And so, yeah, I'll let you know as soon as I figure out what that is (laughs) 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 and where it's going. (laughs) Wow, that was uh, really, really, really nice, uh, Shannon. Uh, Thank you so much for that. Like, you're real inspiration and very, very passionate. I admire that a lot about you. Like, I wish if... uh, uh, a lot more people would be as passionate about what their craft, what they do, as as you are. And I think uh, uh, I think a lot of people will uh, benefit from this conversation and learn from how you did things and the, all the chapters that you went through and uh, the excitement and the joy that you get in from uh, from uh, from empowering people, from being around empowered people. What you learn from them the hard work that you're putting and determination and the focus that you have. And I think also a lot of compassion. You have a lot of compassion for uh, for people. I mean, you are out there covering, taking care of yourself, taking care of other people, <laughs> dragging them out from their bed <laughs> to party and celebrate. <laughs> yeah, that, that's really, really, really inspiring. Thank you so oh, much for that. Thank you. Thanks so much for this, this uh, opportunity. I've I think I also instilled a bit more um, understanding of why it is I'm doing what I'm doing. Yeah. So why I'm, why I'm sitting sitting in cold Portugal when I could be in Bali? Like, I understand it now. <laughs>